It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. But first, and you know where you do stuff on a program like this, and when you work in this job for as long as we've been working in it now, you do stuff and you think, right, that's a nice item and it's an interesting item and I learned from that item. And then it blows up off air and you need to go back to it. And I'm not talking about Father Sheehy this time. Um, yesterday we talked about a protest that is coming up on Sunday at CUMH over changes the HSE is imposing in the rules on home birth. The HSE will only give you the okay, as it were, for a home birth if you're less than 30 minutes away by blue light, by ambulance. And the midwives who do these home births are up at arms. The people who have these home births are up at arms. The people who want to have these home births are up at arms. And we chatted about it yesterday and I learned a lot. For example... I learned, and I think some other people did too, that when there's a home birth in somewhere like Doris or Allahees or down in East Cork, the ambulance is on standby anyway. There's an ambulance set aside. The midwife has told the ambulance service, look, I'm going down to a home birth in West Cork. If there's a problem, I'll give you a call. Ambulance has it logged, and if the call comes in, the call comes in. Didn't know that. Did you know that? Didn't know that at all. You wouldn't believe... The response we had to this off air. Uh, Laura Vickers is first with me this morning. Laura, good morning. Hi, good morning. Tell me your experience with regard to home birth. Um, well, I've got three children, um, and um, I my first my first pregnancy, my first birth um, was in the UK, and I decided to go to a midwife led unit there um and uh that was still about a 50 minute drive mm. and i felt um it was an attached to a hospital and i felt that that was a good option for my first um birth and it was fantastic once i got into that unit it was fantastic and the midwives were great um what i did feel was that the journey um and the kind of um the build-up to getting into the unit kind of slowed things down for me and was quite stressful mm. and i actually felt that I would progress a lot better if I was at home. So for my second and third births, that was um, an option. And I had my two, my second and third babies at home. Um, and my third baby I had with um, Mary Cronin in oh. May um, and uh, Deirdre uh, O'Leary Voss, who, who were absolutely incredible. Yeah, Mary, absolutely. Mary was on yesterday and she was telling me just how much they have to train and just how much they have to know and, and, and the the yeah. safeguards that are in place. I had no idea, Laura, how much safeguarding was done. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was it was so well planned. I'd I'd say it was nothing. Nothing is left to chance. You know, yeah. it was it was kind of, and I I'll go back to my but with both home birth experiences, um, but with with Mary, um, you know, I knew her from the beginning. Um, she did all my antenatal appointments. Um, she she got to know my family, um, and my boys know her. Um, so there was nothing, even down to my um, breastfeeding journeys with them, and it was all the first appointment. Everything was on the table, and it was like, okay, here we are. You know, I had the consult. Uh, I had a an appointment with a consultant to check my health to check it was safe there was no there was mm. there was no stone unturned <laughs> for sure uh, i think we, but, the, the, i might have had a, a somewhat i won't say romantic but somewhat old style notion of it being a bit like an episode of call the midwife where she's <laughs> running through town <laughs> looking for her yeah. stuff at one in the morning you know it's nothing like oh, that yeah. No, not at all. I mean, when Mary came here, um, and as I said, this was just in May, it was, um, you know, my, my labour started um, in the early hours of the morning. I let Mary know. She um, she was here before, I've got two boys um, who are eight and five, and she was here before they went to school. Um, so I was in the bedroom, they were here, they were asking questions, um, and they felt comfortable to do that because they knew her. And we talked so much about, well, Mary or one of Mary, Mary's colleagues will be here. Um, and they listened to the baby before they went. They knew the baby was on the way. Um, they went off to school. Um, and Mary was here the whole time. Um, you know, she was, I was able to kind of do what I needed to do to, to, to relax. Um, but Mary was, was there the whole time, you know, completely monitoring everything. And then she, you know, Harriet was born, um, before the boys came back from school. So they came home and she was here. Um, and it was just the most, it, it felt so safe. And, you know, um, it was the most beautiful experience. And, you know, and the, the aftercare as well from Mary and and the midwife team is amazing. They're they're here every day um, for yeah nearly three weeks and and it's it's wow. it's incredible. You know the the support I got with breastfeeding and as I said, Mary knew my journey, knew the difficulties I'd had. So instead of it being kind of okay, this is what we'll do this time when baby's here and baby's hungry and um, it's like well we already know what we're going to do. This is what we'll yeah. do. This is how I'll support you. This is and it just took all the stress, you know, that that kind of stress. It's, it's a big situation as it is. Um, and the and idea, just, Laura, that the HSC would impose a, a rule change that if you're more than 30 minutes away by ambulance, you couldn't have that again. Oh, it's devastating. It's, it's such a devastating loss. It, it really is. Just to have that choice, and I think that's the important thing, it's the choice. It's It's knowing, it's being able to explore it as an option, seeing if it's right and and it just feels such a backward step it you know and and all the research that i ever did it never felt like something you know looking at the statistics it never felt something that was taking more of a risk and you know and and it just it doesn't make any sense to me especially for women in rural areas where you're so far away from hospital you know the the argument laura might be well and they're not here to to make their point but if I could, mm. in some clumsy way, make it for them. Well, mm. if you had a problem mm. while Harriet was on her way, if you're in a mm. hospital mm. ward, the white coats that you need around you are seconds away. Mm. If you mm-hmm. have a problem mm-hmm. down where you are, the white coats mm. are an ambulance right away, and the shorter that mm. ambulance ride, the better. If you any time mm-hmm. for that, descri- that argument at all. 
Uh, pardon, say that again. Do any have you time, any time for that argument? Do you have any? I I think I think you have to. Yeah, I think you have to know you're making a choice not to be in a hospital. That is, uh, you know, I think that's. But I think for me. Mary went through everything that she had with her and and went through every well a lot of the scenarios where there would be an emergency situation and she kind of really outlined okay if this happened this is what we'd need to do if this happened this right. is what we'd need to do and I knew I was going in with it with my eyes into it with my eyes open so she was there was so much detail and in terms of how it would be dealt with right. how, what she has in her car <laughs> to kind of um, deal with situations there was no doubt in my mind that she would she would see it and and know what to do and yeah. and the action would be taken and, and the she, fact that i didn't know this and, sorry i didn't know this until mm. she told me she, she they, they already knew at the ambulance service what was happening in case yeah, they were absolutely yeah. it was all on standby and i knew that so it was kind of i felt like yeah there was there was no question and she her attentiveness and her you know she knew me um, you know, the, the, there was no, the, yeah, the, it, I kind of felt it was just so planned. Yeah. There was, there was, it, there was nothing. There's no be any randomness more about it. Like exactly. I said, it's, it's not like no, an episode of Call the Midwife on a, midwife on a Sunday night. Laura, thank you very much uh, and delighted that uh, young baby Harriet is doing so well and there was such a good experience for you. Dervla. Hi, PJ. Good morning. Hi, you're another one of the people who got in touch with us yesterday. You had a baby in Dingle. In June yeah. 2021. Now, forgive me, where's the nearest hospital to Dingle? Tralee, I take it. Is it Tralee General? Tralee General, right. yes. And that's a fair old twist away over bad roads. It is over the Connor Pass. It's, um, I'm west of Dingle, so 10 minutes west of Dingle. Right. Now, it's June, fair enough, so you get through the Connor Pass, but imagine if it was December and you have luck looking at it sometimes. So, tell me the story. So, yes, I had the most incredible experience. Uh, Sinead Murphy, my incredible capable midwife, um, my home birth midwife. So I had the journey with her through pregnancy. Um, I was seeing her uh, once a month and then seeing her every, um, every week towards the end of our pregnancy. So she knew me really well. We knew each other very well and we trusted each other. And it was, you know, often it was, she was like my therapist. She was making things more than, more than a midwife. So it was just incredible to know that this woman was going to be with me for my journey and for the birth of my, my baby. Um, when I went into labour, I didn't realise I was having a very sh- going to have a very short labour. So when I rang Sinead in the middle of the night and told her that it was a little bit more intense than I expected, um, she knew me well enough to know that I was probably playing it down. So she hopped into her car and made it in time for, for the birth. I feel that if I'd rang a hospital at that point and told them how I was feeling, they most likely would have recommended that I... Um, rested rested a bit more before making my way, and um, as a first time mother, you know, um, labour tends to be longer. Um, yeah. So I'm really grateful that I went. How, to home how long was labour, Dervla? It was three hours and fifty one minutes. Oh dear God, that's quick! Like if you had mm-hmm. left home to go to Tralee General, the baby might have been called Connor for very various reasons. <laughs> yes, yes, and hopefully in the future I plan to have another child, and. Um, they would, my midwife told me that my labour would most definitely be shorter next time. So if these restrictions come into place, that would mean that I would be at home unsupported with potentially such a short labour that I would be unsupported having a baby at home or on the side of the road on, on the way to Trilly General. Well, of course, you could book in, you could book your date in Trilly General and go in. And what would and, be and so wrong with that? But Just sure, I wouldn't know. You know, I wouldn't know when I was going to go into labour. Right. Yeah. 
So there would be, there'd be no way that I could do that, you know, unless I was going to book in for a cesarean section, which is a very serious operation yeah. to be taking with that, you know, this way with, if these, if home birth is still possible for someone living in rural areas, this way I know that I'm going to could have the same experience again, yeah. safe birth for my baby yes. in the comfort of my own home. Yes. You know, in, in the, it's the, main, the main hormone for birth is oxytocin. So yes. during labor, we want to encourage oxytocin and everything in a hospital, basically, reduce oxytocin, like bright lights, not feeling safe, time pressure, sure. loud noises. Sure. And like the easiest way to think about it is anywhere you wouldn't feel comfortable having sex isn't good for birthing. Okay. I've not had it put quite that way before, Dervla. Yeah, but I'm, I'm sure you're going to remember it, though. I can't only see it. Sorry? I can't. I can't unsee it. No, I mean, as, as in, that. as in, as in, I can't even think of the prospect of people having sex in a hospital bed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And people coming in in white coats, as you put it. Um, you know, um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be very pleasant. It just, it just feels like for me that there's a person sitting in a suit somewhere, um, without doing proper research, without listening to the people on the ground, the amazing, capable midwives, and they're attempting to take away the rights of the women of Ireland. All right, I leave it there. That's great. That's great. You know, you should have, you should be as comfortable when you're giving birth as you were when you were having sex. Yeah. Uh, the protest, by the way, is Sunday at half past twelve outside CUMH. I'll talk to Cara in just a second. Now, Cara, I think you're in Bellinhasig, so you'd be within the the limits, as it were, for for home birth with HSE. But you still you support this protest. Morning. Absolutely. Good morning, PJ. I support and I'm, I'm one of the co-organisers of our protest here on Sunday. Oh, hold on. That's not the best line in the world. Maybe could we drop that back, Rich, to a phone line or something because it's going to sound like a, it's kind of crunchy. We'll see if we can drop it back to a phone line and come back to Cara in a second or two. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Also on the program, Glow is back. With some doubt about Glow in the last few weeks with energy crises and, and other such things. Glow is back um, and the Ferris wheel will be going up and Bishop Lucy Park will be lighting up and we will have Christmas lights and they'll be going on in the third or fourth week of November. More on that in a while, but we can try to go back to Cara on a line. Is it one you're looking at there, lads? One or two? Oh, wait, one, eight, two. All right. Okay. Cara, you got, I got you there in Ballinhasig, yeah? Good morning, PJ. Can you hear me? Yeah, now? you're one of the co-organisers for Sunday. I am indeed, yes. Okay. Why does it mean so much to you? Well, I myself have birthed four of my five children with the home birth service, so I can only echo the sentiments of the mothers we've been speaking to over the past couple of days and attest to the excellence of the care I received. Um, you know, for me... When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's vital that everybody has access to choice in maternity care, and that's what this represents. The HSE's argument is it's safer. Yeah. It's safer to, to go. Okay, so we know actually, and studies have shown that reducing the travel time to a maternity unit does not actually improve outcomes for mothers and babies. 
the HSE Home Birth Service is currently the safest operating unit of the HSE Maternity Services. The outcomes are excellent for mothers and babies alike, and it has the highest satisfaction ratings among the service users. So our service is safe, it is working, it's accessible, and it is vital that we retain it. Mary was saying yesterday, the, the midwife, that it is so well planned with the mother that should anything go wrong, then everything can be handled. But the likelihood of something going wrong is no more or no less than it would be if you were in a ward in COMH. Absolutely. Now, there was a huge study done in the UK there um, approximately 10 years ago, which looked into this across thousands of people. So a really significant study. And the outcome of that showed that for mothers and their second and subsequent pregnancy, home birth was as safe. Um, and actually, I would argue that further than that, if we go beyond perinatal mortality as a measure of safety, when we look at outcomes, when we look at rates of intervention, home birth actually really tops the polls there on safety and satisfaction. Yeah. So this recommendation really, it's not in alignment with the international best practice when we look at other jurisdictions. You know, you look at places like Canada and New Zealand yeah. and their infrastructure and they have operating home birth systems yeah. over much larger distances. New Zealand, you could be 300 miles from the nearest hospital. Absolutely. So, you know, what I would like to put to you then is, is it safer for you to have, you know, up to two midwives right there caring for you on that one-to-one, two-to-one basis, or to travel hundreds of miles in the car? And this is what will happen. This is what has happened. I mean, we all know somebody who has birthed in the car park at CUMH or has to have pull in at the side of the road. And that can be really traumatic for families. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people come to the home birth service because they think, okay, should this happen again, I'm much better in my home with two trained professionals by my side with whom I have developed a relationship of trust. Um, and I mean, that's vital. So this yeah. is what this is all about. I'm simply retaining that choice. Home birth isn't for everyone. You know, in the same way that one person may choose private maternity care over public care, home birth is simply another choice. And if we were to, if we were to limit access to, let's say, private care, consultant care or an epidural maybe, those living within 30 minutes of the hospital, there would be absolute outrage and rightly so because it would be arbitrary, not evidence-based, just as this proposed cap on our services. Well, I'm old enough to remember, you mentioned epidural, Cara. I'm old enough to remember a time when epidural was only available on different days of the week. Absolutely. Now, I don't know if you remember that time, but people were clamouring to get into the into the hospital on the day they could get the epidural. And that is not patient-centred care. It is not person-centred care. I mean, we are a progressive country. We are a first-world country. There's absolutely no excuse for not providing the highest level of care and choice to maternity yeah. service users. There's a thing. Can you get... Again, this is a man's question, Cara. Forgive me. <laughs> can you get the epidural at home, question one? And question two, what would happen if there was need for an emergency cesarean and you're an hour and a half out of car. Okay, so firstly on the epidural, no, you cannot access epidural at home. Um, Epidural needs to be in the controlled environment of a hospital under the care of an anaesthetic team and monitored. So that's a very, very separate um, model of care, if you like. Now, interestingly, that is one of the reasons why some people birthing at home may choose to transfer. So one in five of our transfers would be around the woman saying, you know what? I'm tired, I've done this, or I've tried this, and actually right now I would like an epidural. So here then they are transferred across seamlessly with a midwife by their side, and again we're supporting choice for women there. With the, with the ambulance that's already pre-booked. Exactly. So you're not making that journey, you know, because you have to travel from home to hospital anyway if you're having 
a birth of any sort, if you're intending to birth in hospital, for example, but you're doing this with all the care and professionals by your side. But again, we're getting to the heart of the woman has chosen to avail of analgesia. We are providing that. We are supporting her. Now, in terms of emergency, I think this has been covered already to some degree. With home birth, you're looking at a low-risk population. So when an application is made for home birth, you have a robust risk assessment. And that begins at that point of application. It continues right through the pregnancy and into the birth. So, at the, you know, from the outset, you're looking at a low-risk population. We're not talking about people carrying triplets, people with preeclampsia, gestational diabetes. Sure. They cannot access the service. If, so if for example, Cara, sorry to cut across you now. If, for example, um, <laughs> a, a mother had a history of a breach at her previous presentation or there was a history of breach in the family. Breach can be very difficult and dangerous. Would that be considered? Well, you see, that will have come up in advance of the birth, you know, by and large. So breach will have been detected. In I advance. Gotcha. So yes, yes it so does. if I'm here at 38 weeks and Mary palpates and she says, okay, baby's head is up, baby's legs are down, baby's transverse. Gotcha. Then we're moving across to the hospital, we're getting a scan to confirm gotcha. that. And if baby doesn't turn then, yes, it is likely that this would be a case then of transferring during the pregnancy. So and that will happen if the risk assessment changes. Absolutely. And then I would like to say, TJ, it's vitally important to remember here that our statistics for Cork and Kerry, which are available, they're collated here as well by um, Professor Richard Green at NPEC over here at UCC. And they will show, I believe, in the last four years, and I've been correct in saying this, that we have not had a Category 1 emergency cesarean. So that's your kind of really high emergency case. So, you know, when you when you look at the low-risk population of home birth, you can't possibly really expect the same level of risk that you would have for, say, somebody who's carrying quadruplets who has preeclampsia or dangerously high So pregnancy. you wouldn't you wouldn't do it if there was any dangers involved? No, I just no, want to... No. Sorry, and so we don't see those outcomes. So we don't tend to see yeah. those outcomes across. And the stats will, will show that they reflect that, you know. Now, this is the medical geek in me getting technical. I apologise, Cara. Come well, back, come know, back though, to the experience. point experience. you've made actually about the medical geek, PJ, yeah. because what we tend to find is that most people who choose home birth, they, uh, they tend to be very educated and informed in their decision-making. So they have done their homework. They've yes. looked into what each care pathway offers, read the data surrounding home birth safety, and they've made an informed choice. So actually, we tend to all geek out when we look for home birth <laughs> because we want the data, we want the information, and then we will say, okay, what works for my family? It won't work for everyone, but we make that informed choice. Fair point, fair point. What? Just, you know, as part of the protest, I guess you're, you're looking at it from that side, but from your own experience, Cara, <laughs> what was it? It was absolutely extraordinary. You know, it's been one of the greatest privileges that I have experienced um, as a mother. Um, so I've had four of my five children. My first baby was born in hospital and I had lovely care under Keelan O'Donoghue, consultant obstetrician. Um, but at that point, I guess I really knew it was always on our radar. My now husband and I, as a young couple, had heard a story of his mother's friend birthing at home on a cold December night by the heat and light of the fire with their two children upstairs and they came down to meet their baby brother in the morning and it just, it really sat with us. It stayed in our consciousness, I think. So once Rumor Rose was born, I think we had pretty much decided at that point we would like to continue any other births in a home setting. So we began to do our homework at that point. Um, and I suppose it's another um, testament to the service that I've come back four times. You know, I've had four pregnancies and births through the home birth service subsequently. So I had, you know, one at hospital, one at home, and then when I compared the two, there was no question of where the others were going to be born. Assuming, again, they were all low-risk pregnancies. I was well, baby was well. But, you know, for my children then, they met their siblings either by waking up to find them 
or yeah. by being present at their birth. Um, so my youngest baby was a COVID lockdown baby, born in June 2020. Um, and so it was a great privilege to know that I was being cared for at home. Obviously, that was a time of great uncertainty. And my husband, my baby's father, was present for the labour and birth. Um, his hands were the first human contact my son had. My then 10-year-old daughter was by my side watching it all unfold. It was so momentous for our family. And you make a very strong point, and I'd, maybe it's intentional, maybe it's not, the point you made is this was a lockdown baby That's when crazy. if you had gone to hospital, your husband would have been nowhere near you. Exactly. And that was crucial support for me. Um, and I really feel for what many women and babies have endured and, and partners and fathers and support systems have endured. No woman should have to birth in those conditions. And it has been borne out in the outcomes we've seen. Um, and unfortunately, it's an ongoing issue that partners are still not permitted for visits and antenatal care. And, you know, birth is a physiological event. It is also a family event. It's a cultural event. Mm. Um, and again, it's all about putting those support systems in place that are evidence-based and then providing optimum care. We can do it. Home birth is a fantastic example of where we do it and we get it right. We mm. can follow that through. If anything, I would call for the expansion of the service, the direction of more interested midwives into home birth care, um, because there's greater demand there. Since COVID, actually, so many more people have sought out home birth. Yeah. Seeking yeah. an alternative, seeking to include their support networks mm, in their birth. You can see why, Carrie, you can see in a way why, why lockdown would have been a game changer. And if, when you, yeah. if, if there's the option of a safe birth at home, surrounded by those you love, are the opposite being those you love are out in the car park waiting for news? Absolutely. There's no contest there, is there? No, there isn't. And so then, like many of us, once you experience it once, you're hooked. You see it, you know, Mary and Elke, um, Mary and Elke, Mary has been my primary midwife now for almost 11 years, Brian will be 11 this month. Um, Elke attended three of my breaths and Elmarie, the last one. And, um, you know, we see them as lifelong friends. I'm only echoing what has been said here before. They hold a very special place in our hearts. They really, really do. Um, and we just, the care was exemplary. And I think, I'm not sure if something has mentioned here over the last couple of days, the aftercare is a huge facet of home birth. So in the weeks following the birth, we get a number of visits from Mary. So you get a chance for a soul to be cared for and observed in those days of a newborn baby, which even yeah. if you've had three or four kids before, it's huge. Entering that newborn period again, mm. you get to process the birth. Yeah. You get to tell the story and again, feel held, feel supported, feel safe. So that's know, a huge, it's a, I mean, it's an absolute gold standard of care. You don't get it anywhere else. You're not just packed off with a by your leave. Um, when we started this discussion yesterday, Cara, uh, to the less than 24 hours on <laughs> there's so much that I didn't know this has Isn't been such wonderful? a this has been such a learning for me personally mm -hmm. so I can't imagine what it must be like for listeners to I be learning so. because that's the thing you know there is something for everyone but when we close off to this information you know we don't do ourselves any favours it's time that we open up and we listen and say okay gosh you did that well and you enjoy that amazing and it might not be right for you, but sometimes somebody else will sit at home this morning now, PJ, listening to you, and yesterday, and they'll say, gosh, did you know that we could do that? We've already had, I don't mind telling you, we've already had messages looking for Mary's number. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And I can only say <laughs> that they will be the luckiest people to, be, to come under the care of the home birth midwives we have here, right. you know. Um, and I just, w I suppose I'd really like to say as well that our home birth midwives have a fantastic working relationship with the UMH and their colleagues above there. Obviously, they also work tirelessly above the UMH. We have a home birth clinic that runs once a month. So in addition to the midwifery assessment by the home birth midwives, we have oversight by consultant obstetrician Fergus McCarthy. 
and there's a fantastic atmosphere among them all. So when a woman is transferred, let's say during pregnancy for any reason, or during birth, that handover is done with great cooperation and collaboration, and we really support that relationship between our midwives and our and their hospital counterparts. Okay, Cara, thank you, and uh, thanks also to Dervla and to Laura and to the many others who've called. Uh, either unable or, or didn't feel like going on the air about this. And like I said, since we started discussing this yesterday with Mary and others, I've learned so much about it in the last 24 hours. The protest, if you want to go to it, is Sunday, 12.30 at CUMH. What they're protesting against is the HSE's decision that from now on, unless you are within 30 minutes by ambulance, by blue light ambulance of a hospital then uh, they won't approve home birth. That's the reason for the protest on Sunday. 0818969696. Marie, I thought a lot about home births, but I don't think I have the nerve for it. At the same time, though, when you hear it's not available and it's such a big thing in your future, it feels a bit like being in prison. You want to have your baby your way. I think that's the important bit, isn't it? Quartz 96 FM.